Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and you're listening to the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast, a place for practical advice for women looking to balance their hormones, ditch dieting, and discover mindset shifts that will keep you motivated and empowered on your healthy eating journey. Are you ready to get started? Welcome back to another episode of the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen. I want to welcome you back. I've been off for about a month. I took a little bit of a break from recording podcast episodes, but that does not mean that I haven't been creating content and preparing for this return with some new episodes, really exciting guests, and some new materials and information that I know you're going to love, including today's episode all about intermittent fasting. So We're going to dive right into that in a minute, but before we do that, again, my name is Daphna Chazen. I'm a registered dietitian and PCOS specialist, and I help women change their relationship with food, stop yo-yo dieting, and start living in a way that reduces their PCOS symptoms and helps them feel healthy and happy. And on this podcast specifically, I share a lot of information. Of course, it's all free and all science-based about how to do that with nutrition and lifestyle changes in the most natural and intuitive way possible. So if you're new to me, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. And if you're a returning listener, Welcome back. I am so, so happy that you're here and I appreciate you greatly. Now, with that in mind, I wanted to ask you for a favor. In order for this podcast to continue, I need your help. I need you to write a review. I need you to tell other listeners what you think about this podcast so that when they look up PCOS resources, they see this podcast and they know that it's a helpful resource for them to get credible information about the condition and what they can do to treat it. This is going to take less than a minute of your time and I really hope that you find about 30 or 60 seconds to go to Apple Podcasts today, leave a rating and write a review for me. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, so let's dive into today's topic, which is intermittent fasting. If you have recently considered intermittent fasting or wondered whether this could be something that you should try, stick around. We're revisiting intermittent fasting and looking at some do's and don'ts to help you get the most benefit out of it if you choose to try it. I see so many women doing it somewhat wrong, and I want to make sure that you're not one of them. So I won't go into the nitty-gritty of intermittent fasting today because I've already done an episode on it. It was over a year ago. I can't even believe how time is flying so fast. But on that episode, it was about a year ago. It's episode number 13. I spoke all about intermittent fasting what it is, what the research shows, how it can possibly benefit you if you do try it out, and what to watch out for exactly. So if you haven't listened to that yet and you're not sure about intermittent fasting, you feel like you're not exactly in the know about what it is, how it works, what are the do's and don'ts don'ts of it, go back and check out that episode if you need a refresher. Um, I also spoke about who it is not for, which is extremely important. So definitely go check that out. And I'm just going to recap really quickly. 
intermittent fasting is not for anyone who has a history of eating disorders or any type of disordered eating for that matter, whether it was fully diagnosed or not. It's not for women trying to conceive or women who are already pregnant, of course, or anyone with a history of hypoglycemia or other medical conditions where your blood sugar levels could be dipping pretty low. Okay, so this is just a recap. There are other conditions where intermittent fasting is highly discouraged, not recommended at all. And I want you to go back. If you're not sure if it's right for you, you would definitely need to consult a healthcare provider. So none of the information that I give on this podcast can replace medical advice. For today's episode, Everything that I'm going to discuss is actually going to refer to a type of intermittent fasting that's called time-restricted eating, which essentially means that you're eating a normal amount of food every single day. So there's never a day where you're only drinking water or only eating 500 calories. No, 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 none of that. We are talking about limiting the window of eating to a certain number of hours within your day. But within that window, you are eating a normal, good, healthy amount of food, a healthy amount of calories, and a good balanced meal plan. So it could be that you're limiting your eating window to 10 hours or 12 hours. Sometimes people will go to eight or even six hours, although I don't really recommend anything less than a 10 hour window for anyone. And I'm definitely against full days of fasting. So we often hear about the five and two regimen when regimen when people eat for five days and then they fast for two days, they drink only water or they only eat 500 calories on those two days or alternate day fasting. That's another type where you eat one day and fast the next day, or you drink some water the next day and no food, I don't recommend either one of those types of intermittent fasting regimen. We are only talking about time-restricted eating. And the reason I don't support these more extreme forms of fasting is that they can seriously disrupt hormones and negatively impact your menstrual cycle. Women with PCOS are already dealing with a lot of irregularity with their cycle. We don't want to disrupt it any further. In fact, of course, we want to repair it and we want to make sure that your cycle is healthy and consistent and as predictable as possible. So our cycles are very sensitive to our calorie intake and the quality of our nutrition, and we don't want to mess around with this. So I highly discourage you from doing any extreme form of fasting. And there are studies to support that this could be harmful for our hormones. So there was a study that was done in rats um, that showed that they ate only every other day. So they did an alternate day fasting, essentially. And what they found is that their ovaries have shrunk and their luteinizing hormone levels have plummeted and um, their um, estrogen levels increased fourfold. So this is something that we do not want is a very undesirable effect of intermittent fasting for women with PCOS specifically. And this is why I strongly discourage you from following that kind of regimen. Now, 
What we're talking about again is time-restricted eating, having a window of eating during your day that you are kind of packing all your food into that 10 or 12 hours. And I know what some people are going to say, and you may be thinking this as well, well, I already eat within a 12-hour window. I eat my breakfast at 8 a.m., I finish my dinner by 8 p.m., and that would be a 12-hour window, right? And that's great. If you're already doing that, stick around. I'm still going to give you some pointers and I'm still going to give you some information that's going to be helpful. It's not just about the length of the window. So that's one aspect of it. Um, And if you're already doing that, that's great. But there's a lot more that you can do to optimize it and leverage that window to your advantage. So stick around. I'm going to go over all of that. So for a lot of people, maybe 12 hours isn't considered a fast. It's just your normal eating schedule, and that's fine. But in reality, what we know is that many, many, many people eat for longer than that. Studies do show that we usually have about a 15 or 16 hour window of eating in the day. And that's especially true if you're busy, you're working, you're also maybe a mom, or maybe you have, you know, other commitments that you're going, you know, doing about in your day. And that's everyone, right? We're all very busy. Even though we're still during a pandemic and life is still not the same as it used to be, But what we know from people's reports is that a lot of people eat for about 16 hours. So maybe you're eating breakfast at 6 or 7 a.m. and you're having a late bedtime snack at 10 p.m., that would be a 16-hour window, and that's not uncommon. So in this regard, 12 hours would be considered a change. It would be considered a reduction in your eating window and the number of hours that you're consuming food. Now, a lot of women ask me whether or not it is really worth it. Are the benefits of intermittent fasting or having an eating window of, say, 10 or 12 hours, or maybe sometimes in some cases, eight hours could be appropriate? Is it something that is beneficial for PCOS? And I'm going to say yes. There are studies that show that having an eating window that is this narrow or narrower than your normal can improve insulin sensitivity, which is, of course, going to help with blood sugar balance. It's going to help reduce androgens, and it's also going to make you your body more efficient at burning calories. And the reason for this is that anytime we're reducing insulin, we're switching from fat storage mode into fat burning mode. So when insulin levels go down, the body is not going to be depositing fat like it's used to doing when insulin levels are high because insulin is essentially a growth hormone. It's something that's going to signal your brain to hold on to fat and calories, especially in the midsection. So when insulin levels go down, the body is going to start using up as its stores of fat and sugar and burn those off for energy, which is beneficial if you're trying to manage your weight. That is going to help you burn fat more efficiently. We also know from studies that intermittent fasting in this form of time-restricted eating is beneficial for reducing cholesterol and triglycerides as well as blood pressure, which of course are all reductions in your risk of cardiovascular disease. It's also going to improve digestion because of course we're eating less at night and we're going to talk about that. That's going to help your body process the food better and reduce any digestive distress or IBS or bloating symptoms that you have you're having. And then with weight loss, what we know is that studies show people who 
intermittently fast naturally reduce their calorie intake by 20%. So when they're following time-restricted eating, specifically 10 to 11-hour feeding window, studies show that they ate 20% less at their meals throughout those days. And that could be beneficial for weight management for sure. And then last but certainly not least, we see a lot of studies around cellular level, better metabolism, improving processes on a cellular level in our body. So we see less inflammation, more efficient clearing of toxins, which is going to reduce risk for cancer and enhance brain function. So there's a lot of studies around fasting and longevity, mental capacity, brain function, reducing diseases like Alzheimer's. So there's definitely a lot of research around the benefits of intermittent fasting, specifically time-restricted eating when it comes to cellular function, which is really the driving force behind a lot of chronic diseases, including cancer. So the benefits are there. What I'm seeing as the problem is that most women do intermittent fasting wrong. So you're not reaping the real benefits of intermittent fasting because the way that you may be doing it or some women are doing it is just not correct. It's not optimized for PCOS. So if someone really wants to leverage time-restricted eating to their benefit, to their advantage, to see all these health benefits, it's not just about the length of the window. It's also about the timing, what you eat during this time, and how it fits with the rest of your lifestyle. So let's take a look at some common mistakes women make and talk about some better ways to combine time-restricted eating if you choose to do so into your own life. Now I'm gonna go over five common mistakes that I see women make with intermittent fasting. And as we go along, we'll talk about better ways to do it. And hopefully you can gain some insight into that and start practicing it. Again, you don't have to. You can certainly see great results by doing just the nutrition and lifestyle practices and habits that I've spoke extensively about on this podcast and on Instagram and everywhere where I put out content. So you can definitely see amazing results. Most of my clients are not doing intermittent intermittent fasting, and they are thriving. So don't think that this is the end-all be-all. You have to do this to see results. Absolutely not. It's not true. And for a lot of people, it's actually not appropriate. So you always want to evaluate your own specific situation. However, if you do feel like this could work for you and you've tried it and it didn't, maybe you've gone through some of these mistakes and I want to help you out so that you can try it again in a better, more healthy, um, more sustainable way. Mistake number one that I constantly see is adopting a super tight window. So when we're talking about intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating, again, a tight window would be doing the 18-6 or 16-8, which is fasting for 16 hours and eating for eight hours. So sometimes I see women starting to eat at 2 p.m. and they end their window at 10 p.m. and that would be an eight-hour eating window and then they fast for, of course, the rest of the night up until 2 p.m. the next day. First of all, I think this window is too, too tight. I wouldn't want to have to eat all of my food within eight hours. I think it can cause a lot of issues. It's too hard to follow. I think it increases the risk of binging because you will develop extreme hunger, especially in the morning hours. And it's going to be hard for you to get enough nutrition within that time frame because our schedules are different. We all have, you know, things that we're doing other than eating, right? So 
In that eight-hour window, it can be difficult to fit in all the nutrition that you need for hormone balance and to support your body in a healthy way. And I also seriously believe that this puts you at high risk for binging because you become too hungry and then you have this restricted time to eat and all bets are off. You're going to want to eat all the things. And I think it's just facilitating a very unhealthy relationship with food because it causes this anxiety. I have to eat within this time. I'm already super hungry. Let me get it all in. And then you're likely going to overeat, which will impact your insulin levels very negatively. So the first mistake is adopting a super tight window. I rarely recommend going below 10 hours. 12 hours, I think, is a sweet spot. If you can eat for 12 hours and then you know end your eating, whether you want to call it a fast or not, but if you end your eating after 12 hours, that's great. That's perfect. If you feel like 10 would work even better for you and is feasible with your schedule, go for that. I think that's reasonable as well. I wouldn't do anything below that. Certainly not six hours. That's way too tight. Mistake number two is breaking the fast too late. So I just touched on that when I said that women often will take this opportunity of intermittent fasting to skip breakfast. And then they're starting around lunch or sometimes even later because they eat late into the night and they want to keep doing that or whether or not it works better with their schedule. Whatever the reason may be, Starting the fast too late, I would say anytime that's not in the morning hours, I would consider that to be too late, is really not in line with your circadian rhythms. So you're essentially missing a prime window, a golden opportunity to take advantage of the best metabolic window in your day, which is the morning. When you wake up in the morning, that's when your insulin is working the best way possible, and you want to take advantage of that. If you're eating within an hour or two hours of waking up, you're going to be burning off most of those calories for energy. Your blood sugar is going to stay really leveled, and you're going to feel a lot better for the rest of the day. So if you're going to go with an eating window, break the fast early. Don't break it in the PM hours. That's way too late, okay? So I mentioned circadian eating or circadian rhythms. I want to backtrack a little bit and explain what that is for those of you who are not really sure. Circadian synced eating means that you're eating in line with your awake and sleep cycles. So evolutionarily, we are programmed to eat and get all of our nutrition in when it's light outside. This is where food is available to us. We take advantage of it. Our body is metabolically active. It's ready to burn those calories for energy. And it's ready to bring everything back into balance before nighttime, before the sun goes down, which is really a time for rejuvenation, for cellular repair, for doing all the things, releasing of hormones and balancing of hormones. Everything is getting reset at night. Nighttime, when it's dark outside, is not a time where the body is used to working hard at digesting and breaking down food and metabolizing it and getting everything in order as far as our blood sugar levels and our hormones. So most people eat a very large meal at night, and we know from studies that eating late into the night is associated with higher rates of obesity and metabolic diseases like type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease, as well as sleep apnea and a bunch of other things. So when I'm talking about eating in line with your circadian rhythm and having a 
eating window, an eating window that starts earlier, this is what I'm talking about. It's taking advantage of the time where your body is most prepared to receive food, to process it, and to really metabolize it properly. This is going to help bring hormones into balance because if we're eating late at night, Insulin levels are going to stay elevated when we're not active, when we're trying to sleep, and that is going to disrupt hormones even further. So we want to make sure that we're eating in sync with our blood sugar levels, with our insulin levels, and the best time to do so is early in the day, not when the sun is already down. So for this reason, I'm telling you that starting your eating window in the PM hours is not going to work. You're breaking the fast a little bit too late and you're missing a big opportunity when the body is most metabolically active for burning off your calories and keeping blood sugar under control. Now, this eating style may not be right for everyone and I'm fully aware of that. I realize that, which is why I created a quiz all about eating style for PCOS. It's called What Eating Style is Right for Your PCOS. And I want you to go over to daphnachazen.com forward slash quiz and take it so that you can understand what eating style would best suit your needs and your PCOS symptoms. You're going to get a lot of great information on the results pages on how to get started, what to do, what to eat, when to eat it. It really is a helpful resource, and of course, it's totally free. DaphnaChazen.com forward slash quiz to find out what PCOS eating style is right for you. Moving on to the third mistake that I see women make all the time, and that is using the feeding window as a total gorge fest or the opposite as a time for frequent frequent nibbling. So they're nibbling, they're grazing, they're snacking all throughout the eating window. They're never sitting down to eat a real meal. Now, of course, when you're gorging and you're eating a ton of food, first of all, you've likely become too hungry, which is terrible for your metabolism, terrible for your hormones. So if you're finding yourself constantly hungry, again, you're likely starting to eat a little too late or your eating window is a little too tight, it's too short, make it longer, it's okay. You're much better off eating throughout a longer period of time than getting too hungry and then overeating. What happens when you overeat as far as your insulin levels is you're getting this flood of insulin after a large meal and it's going to be very hard for your body to bring blood sugar levels back into balance. You're also highly likely to get indigestion and just feeling fatigued and sluggish and heavy and also have cravings later on in the day because your blood sugar fluctuations are just going to be off the charts. So don't do this if you're finding yourself extremely hungry and you're overeating, your meals are really large, they're really rich, you're not paying attention to the quality of the food during the eating window and it's kind of a free-for-all, that's a sign that you may have it too tight of a window or that you're starting to eat too late. Now, as far as nibbling goes, I don't like nibbling in general. If you've been following for a while, you know I generally don't recommend too much snacking. I think that, again, it's not good for your insulin levels because you're constantly getting these surges of insulin every time you eat a snack. And that's not going to be good because you're never allowing your body to bring insulin levels down enough so that 
it breaks down other sources of sugar, like from your liver, or even trying to mobilize some fat for energy, which is essentially fat burning, uh, which is what we want. We want those periods where blood sugar levels and insulin levels can go down so that your body becomes efficient at burning off calories for energy and blood sugar is staying balanced. So if you're constantly nibbling, you're not allowing that to happen. Also, if you're constantly nibbling, just by the nature of snacks, they're likely missing nutrition. Unless you're really good at putting them together, and in my quiz, I actually show you how to do that. But if you're not someone who pays close attention to what they're nibbling on, maybe it's a little bit haphazard, maybe it's a little bit kind of on the go, you're likely missing nutrition. And Fasting could also take your calories below what's recommended for your body. So if you're only eating small snacks, maybe you're not hitting your calorie levels, you're under eating slightly, that can severely impact your sex hormones. It can disrupt your cycle. It's just not going to give you good results. So if you think you're missing nutrition, if you find yourself snacking and grazing during your eating window, and if you likely feel like you're fatigued or have no energy or you're not able to really concentrate, maybe some brain fog, maybe you've taken your calories or your carbs or protein or any of the nutrients a little bit too low and you're not meeting your needs. That's no good. So don't use the feeding window as either one of these extremes. You don't want to gorge. You also don't want to undereat. You want to find a happy medium where you're eating two to three balanced meals spaced out properly that are going to be satiating and satisfying so that you can stick with the eating window comfortably. The next common mistake I come across rather frequently is that women try intermittent fasting at a timing that is incorrect, which is usually a time when they're already stressed. Now, I know we all feel stressed most of the time, but here's the thing. If your stress is not properly managed, so a lot of women feel stressed, but they have found ways to cope. They are doing okay. They're properly managing their stress. The stressor is still there, but they're doing better at responding to it. But what I see as problematic is if your stress is not properly managed and you're adding something like intermittent fasting, that can really put you at a high risk for, again, disordered eating. It can cause a lot of anxiety around eating, which is definitely detrimental to your success and your health. And it can also increase cortisol levels. So if your stress is not properly managed, your cortisol levels are likely too high to begin with. And adding something like intermittent fasting can only raise those cortisol levels even higher, which is not going to be helpful. You're going to feel more cravy. You're going to feel more fatigued. And just in general, there's going to be a higher level of inflammation in your body, which is really going to drive a lot of PCOS symptoms. So stress management comes before anything else. You don't want to start something like intermittent fasting at a time where we're in a pandemic. You maybe have lost your job or cut back on your hours. You may have some personal stressors that are going on in your relationships. Maybe there's a lot of uncertainty around your career or your future or what's going to happen in the fall. Whatever it may be, if you're currently in a place of uncertainty and your health is a priority for you, intermittent fasting is not the way to go. There are other things that you could be doing and stress management, nutrition, movement, and sleep should be top of that list. 
Okay, and last but certainly not least, this is a mistake that I want to talk about and I saved it for last because it's super important and I want to wrap up with it so that it's fresh in your mind. And that is looking at intermittent fasting like a diet, treating it like a diet and being on and off it. So maybe you're on it during the week and then you're off it on the weekends or thinking that it replaces nutrition. Intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, as I've explained it to you here, is something that you use to fine-tune everything else that's already in place. So you use it after your nutrition has been dialed in. You use it after you've already come up with a movement routine. You use it after you feel confident around your relationship with food, whether it's emotional eating, whether you have to stop thinking in terms of diets. This is something that you use to fine-tune everything else at the end. It's kind of like the cherry on top. It's not something that is the foundation of your health. This is not something that you use as a diet of itself. It's certainly not enough in and of itself like I've just showed you because there are many ways it could go wrong. There are many ways that intermittent fasting could not give you any benefit. So many women do it thinking that it's the end all be all. They're doing intermittent fasting. It has so many benefits, so they're definitely gonna reap all of those benefits. Well, that's not true. You have to get your nutrition dialed in first. You have to make sure that you're confident about your eating habits and that you know what you're doing. You're not following some fads and some crash diets or crazy advice off of Instagram, that you're doing something that's solid, that's given you proven results, and that now, if you wanted to take it to the next level and see even better results, you're using intermittent fasting in a smart way to leverage your you know, metabolic window and all of the things that I have mentioned to you. And just so you know, if you're using intermittent fasting as a diet for weight loss, there are no studies that show that it's any better than any other regimen for weight management. So it's not better than caloric restriction. It's not better than other things that have shown to be effective for women in weight management. Intermittent fasting gives equivalent results to that in terms of weight loss. So I never recommend it as a weight loss strategy. Really what I think it could be beneficial for is again, reducing your insulin levels, not eating late at night, eating more in line with your circadian rhythm, and leveraging that, leveraging that benefit of eating early in the day, not eating late into the night to balance your hormones, to lower your insulin, to lower your risk of disease, to help you, your body rejuvenate at night and, and, you know, clear those cells from toxins and all of those, you know, free radicals and things that cause inflammation. That's where I see intermittent fasting being beneficial but the foundation has to be there. It's not a diet in and of itself. It's not a plan. It's not a healthy eating routine in and of itself. It's just one more tool to fine tune what you're already doing with your nutrition. So hopefully this makes sense. I want you to head on over to Instagram. Find me if you're not already following me. I'm at pcos.nutritionist.daphna. And I want you to send me a message. Let me know if you've tried intermittent fasting, if you've ever done time-restricted eating, and how has it worked for you? What are some of the benefits that you've seen? And whether or not what I've talked about today has hit home for you and resonated And what are you going to do moving forward? How are you going to change what you're doing? How are you going to use today's information to gain momentum, see some progress, and create amazing results for yourself and for your body?
I hope you found today's episode helpful. All the information that I spoke about is in the show notes below, as well as the links that I mentioned. Go ahead and take the quiz that I've created for you called What Eating Style is Right for Your PCOS over at daphnachazen.com forward slash quiz. Head on over and connect with me on Instagram. Let me know what you think. And of course, please take a moment to write me a review. I'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to see you here again soon, next week, same time, same place. Be well until then. Bye for now.